Wash your hands and keep it clean. You gotta wash your hands and keep it clean. We'll flatten that curve while we're quarantined. It feels absurd, but just you wait and see. Cover your cough and if you sneeze, and then you wash your hands and keep it clean. That's right. Wash your hands, everybody. Everybody, welcome to today's show. Um, we appreciate all the luminaries for jumping on today that are here live for our COVID-19 Pearls for Practice with Ashley and Joe. Um, I'm Joe Moose, one of your co-hosts uh, for today's show. And uh, you, uh, those of you who are on with us live at the moment, you can type your questions that you have for uh, myself or Ashley or our guest today in the question box and we will try to get to those questions or the chat box either one of those so uh again thanks for being on and, and i'll kick it over to the co-host today ashley branham good afternoon everybody uh thanks again for joining us this week and um today's topic we're really excited um to share with you we've been um, reading about this topic and and, and even implementing some of that in our own pharmacy and um and that's really around telehealth and so we know that during COVID-19, there's been a surge of telehealth services that have been implemented, both in pharmacy practices and medical practices. Um, some states have even suggested that we have nearly a 50% increase in visits um, throughout the month of March alone. So um, we're seeing a lot of utilization of, of technology, of um, non-traditional ways of taking care of patients. and. Um, we, we're learning how to get better at it and how to fully, how to embrace it fully um, compared to the old fashioned face to face visits that we've had so much during um, this or uh, prior to the COVID 19 pandemic. Of course, we know that telehealth has been almost an essential aid in, in healthcare delivery as we're trying to minimize person-to-person contact. And so um, we, um, we're delighted today to have with, um, with us um, an expert almost on the topic because she's been doing it every single day, um, Ms. Desiree Gaines. Um, Desiree is a clinical pharmacist at Avant Institute of Clinicians, and um, she's a clinical pharmacist at Metrolina Internal Medicine. And um, Des, thanks for being with us today. I know you've probably had your world turned upside down where you're used to seeing patients and the, the old-fashioned regularly scheduled appointments, and, and that's um, that's been turned upside down, and you're seeing patients now in, in a, new, a new format, in a new way. And um, we appreciate your time for telling us about that, what that transition has been like, and um, and any tips that you can share with our listeners today on how to implement a telehealth service. Absolutely. Thank you for that introduction and um, just allowing me to share this experience because you're absolutely right, Ashley, this is brand new. Um, we all kind of got thrown into it so rapidly. Um, but first, I kind of want to set the stage um, just so you all know, um, you know, what I do. So 
There are many ways, of course, to do telehealth. Um, however, I can provide my insight on how I'm doing telehealth via collaboration with providers. Um, so we, I do collaborate with providers and I, I go by those rules and the standards um, from Medicare and, and the other payers. Um, but telehealth is essentially the replacement of those face-to-face -face visits. Um, for remote visits via some form of technology. So just so anyone may not fully know what telehealth is, um, you know, that's, that's pretty much what we're doing. So, of course, due to COVID, <laughs> a lot of my visits were jeopardized. Um, so generally, I would be collaborating with the providers to assist in providing services such as annual wellness visits, chronic care management, um, as well as diabetes education. Um, and of course, all of these in some sense are non-essential and they're preventative services and they're not urgent. So you can imagine when all of this happened, myself, as well as a lot of providers and a lot of clinicians, they were scrambling because, you know, these aren't urgent services. So, so what do we do to ensure that these patients are still getting these services? Um, so of course, many changes occurred during this time for payers. Um, such as Medicare in particular, to allow for providers to offer telehealth with fewer restrictions, which is really awesome. So we use that leverage, okay, to, um, to our current face-to-face -face visits so that um, we could still see our patients for these non-essential visits and still have those meaningful services. Um, we also realized that during COVID, um, it would be more important now than ever to remain connected with our high-risk population, because now you have patients who are super high-risk, who aren't getting those preventative services as often as they were before. Um, you know, maybe they were coming in for just some checkups, some follow-ups. Well, a lot of those got dropped off. So we wanted to make sure we stayed connected with those high-risk individuals, which, of course, is our Medicare patients. Um, so after reviewing all of the new guidelines, that was our first step. We had to go and say, okay, let's see what the new guidelines are saying from Medicare, uh, United Healthcare, Aetna, all of these different payers um, around telehealth, just to make sure we were doing it correctly. And so I decided to focus on using it specifically for annual wellness visits and my chronic care management. Um, so just to give you the definitions, like for our annual wellness visits, they're essentially those face-to-face those -face preventative visits that we do with our Medicare patients. And they usually come into the office, we sit with them for about 45 minutes, 30, 45 minutes, um, and we had to figure out, okay, can we do this remotely? So that was my first push was to see how can I do these annual wellness visits remotely? And then for chronic care management, these are actually non-face-to-face services. So typically for chronic care management, I'll call the patient, um, have a phone call with them. However, it's really interesting because this opened up a whole new world to me. And I said, okay, why am I going to continue to do phone visits with these patients when now I've found a more effective way to speak with my patients, and that's through telehealth. Um, so sometimes I'll have patients that I'm trying to explain something to them over the phone, and it's quite difficult because I'm a visual person. <laughs> so um, I actually said, you know what, I'm going to change some of my chronic care visits to virtual visits. Um, and that was 
that was quite all right, according to the parameters. So we utilize um, also our remote patient monitoring. So many of you may have heard of remote patient monitoring as an additional service that can be provided. Um, and these are individuals who may receive blood pressure monitors, they may receive scales, um, and what we do is we're, we're remotely monitoring these individuals for certain vitals from home. So we utilize that and we said, okay, all of our patients who are already on remote patient monitoring, we have their vitals and we use those for the visit. Um, so if I have a patient who is seeing me for annual wellness visits, we either get them signed up with remote patient monitoring in advance or they're already signed up and I have all the vitals I need for that visit. So that's pretty cool. So what would be an example of, of maybe something that, that was normally being done telephonically, say in chronic care management, but you, you did through telehealth or virtual that you picked up on that you wouldn't have picked up on um, maybe telephonically? You yeah, said that you were a visual. Uh, yeah, that's a great question, Joe. Um, I was actually doing a lot of diabetes um, coaching over the phone with patients. Um, so I would try my best to visually explain the plate method <laughs> or visually explain, you know, what I'm wanting them to look for when they're looking at nutrition labels. And this also goes for some of my hypertension patients. And it was a little bit difficult because they would, they would, you know, patients would go get a product in their home and then we'd be trying to discuss it over the phone. Um, and I said, you know what? It was a patient last week. I said, let me just get you on our telehealth communication. I said, let me show you so then you don't have to question what I'm talking about. Um, and it actually turned out really well. She was grateful. Um, and, and she's actually shown some improvement just within a week's time for for her diet. Um, so th that's one example that I can come up with that, you know, was really meaningful in having the telehealth as an option for those chronic care patients. And have you picked up on something in these uh, adult, adult wellness visit or chronic care patients that have generated um, follow-up with your physician group that would have generated additional revenue for the physician group? Because I know a lot of times people you know, uh, the, the the primary care doc group may say, well, I don't want the pharmacy to be doing that because that's cutting into my revenue. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. So there's many times, and, and I make this a push when I'm talking to patients for chronic care management, if I notice that even with the diet changes that we've done through coaching, or maybe just simple recommendations, if those aren't working, or I notice that they have not been seen for a follow-up visit for more than three to six months and they needed to a long time ago, I'm scheduling an office visit for that provider. Um, so absolutely, we are, we are getting those patients in and we're actually seeing that we're doing more follow-up visits because they have the option to do those virtual visits. So we just pop them right on the schedule. I say, look, tomorrow I'm going to have Dr. Such and Such call you um, through telehealth. You now know how to work it. Um, and then they're going to see you for a follow-up um, hypertension visit or diabetes visit or whatever the case might be. So absolutely. 
And then I wanted, I did want to mention just a couple of other uses for the telehealth service that some of the other um, pharmacists are using. So we have one pharmacist, her name's Mandy. Um, she's in our organization and she's using telehealth to follow up with Suboxone patients, which is really cool. Um, the patients who are historically being followed up on with clean urines, everything's been going pretty well. Those patients automatically will receive a telehealth visit with refills. Um, however, those individual patients who, you know, maybe their urine samples aren't coming in so clean all the time, um, they will send an order to LabCorp in advance um, and then have the patient uh, follow up via telehealth with those results. Um, so that's how they're utilizing it. And then we have other, two other pharmacists who are also using it for annual wellness visits um, and chronic care management as well, similarly to what I had just discussed. So um, those are some of the ways, and there's a lot of other ways that you could, you could think about using telehealth services. Um, but some tips for those of you who might be interested in starting telehealth, um, here's three things that I can think of that you might want to consider. So one is to establish the service that your patients need the most. So think about your population. Um, think about what you were providing to your patients prior to COVID that you still feel the patients need. Okay, um, and, and then you want to determine the requirements to perform those services. So it's really easy for you to access the Medicare Learning Network, um, and they have all of their updates as far as, you know, what's required for telehealth services, what are some telehealth options that are available for you. Um, so all of that information is readily available. And then you want to find the right way to connect with your patients. So during COVID, you do have a variety of options, and those options can be things like Google Hangouts, Facebook Messenger. Um, we have one practice that is the only way they have been doing their telehealth visits is through Facebook Messenger um, video, which is really interesting. Um, Skype is also one that is acceptable. Pretty much they are opening the window to say, however you can connect with this patient, do it. Um, because they're seeing how important it is for us to make sure we're staying connected with these patients who are super high risk um, and we want to make sure they stay healthy. So those are just some tips that I can give you and some of the experience that I have. Um, any questions? Yeah, Des, I've got, I've got a bunch. So one is um, kind of on the, the logistical side of things. You, um, your patient population and a lot of um, population of community pharmacists um, sometimes may have difficulty with access to their side of telehealth, right? So most may have the telephone, but you um, just, you know, you described a perfect reason why sometimes it's best to have a visual aid. Have you ran into any situations where there's poor connectivity or um, any barriers to being able to access um, a patient through a live stream type of service? Um, yeah, so a couple of examples. Um, we had of course, we have our patients who are very um, nervous about trying this when they may have never used technology like this. 
Um, so we had one patient in particular, she, she had a smartphone, she had all the tools necessary to be able to connect with me, but she was really nervous about it. Um, and so any of those individual patients, I try to ask them, do you have a family member? Do you have a neighbor, um, someone who's close by who can just pop over during your visit? Um, and, and help you get connected. And so that has helped me get connected with quite a bit of individuals. Maybe their you know, kids are in the home or, or a family member who can help set them up. Um, other scenarios, we have had a few instances where there was connectivity issues. Um, one in particular, we were focusing on diabetes and I had a lot of visual aids that I had ready, you know, sometimes what you plan doesn't always happen. <laughs> um, but we actually worked it out pretty well. I ended up just talking to her on the phone and ended up mailing her the, the, the equipment and things that I wanted her to have. Um, so I mailed it to her. And then what I had her do was we ended up connecting her to um, the telehealth communication on a later date. Um, so yeah, you definitely are gonna run into those situations where you have maybe some connectivity issues, but try not to get so frustrated because everybody is, is new to the process. Um, so I think our patients have been actually flexible. Yeah, Des, what is, what is the patient's overall perception of it? How do you think they would compare it in terms of their satisfaction with it to being face-to-face -face with you? So I've asked a couple of my patients when we're done, you know, how they felt, did they feel comfortable with it? And um, I've, I've gotten pretty good responses. Most of my patients will say, wow, it was easier than I thought it was. <laughs> And I'm going to start doing this more often. I didn't have to leave my home. Um, so I've had really good feedback from, from most individuals. Um, anytime, like I said, when we have connectivity issues, there's never been a complaint. I mean, they've been, you know, so accommodating and, and, and understanding that this is new for us and this is new for them. Um, so I haven't had any negative feedback on my end. Now, if that's happened with maybe some of the other providers, I'm not sure, but it's all been very positive. So it seems like, you know, as we, as we think about, you know, applications um, to utilize telehealth and, and knowing that COVID numbers are kind of starting to reach record high or starting maybe it's testing that's revealing more um, circulating cases in our communities. We know that there, we know it's out there still and, and probably reason to, to exercise some type of telehealth measures when appropriate. Um, it, it sounds like we have a green light to provide medication therapy management services using telehealth. Um, perhaps mm -hmm. consultation services in general, you know, particular patient counseling or device training um, through through um, through telehealth. Um, anything else I'm leaving out as we try to think about ways to, to incorporate this into our practices? And, and if um, folks are listening in and they have ideas, please feel free to share your ideas and how you might be, but um, how you might be utilizing telehealth in, in your pharmacy practices as well. I, I do know of a few pilot programs that are starting um, where there's some blood pressure monitoring and, and um, follow-up discussion that's happening, um, utilizing telehealth as a source of communication, which I think is very timely for um, this. But 
but also it, it's a it's a nice way to interact with patients um, outside of COVID um, and, and maybe <laughs> used to continue the practices anyway. Yeah, Ashley, you mentioned, um, you know, following up on hypertension. I think this can go so many ways. Um, you know, having patients who may be starting new medications and, and just following up on them in general. Um, and, and I like that, like you said, you're connecting with your patients in a different way. So, you know, you probably are having more touch points with that patient if you could do telehealth as a pharmacist rather than, you know, maybe your delivery patients. If you don't typically see those individual patients, um, getting them in on a telehealth visit might be an option. Yeah. yeah so that's, so that's great. Point. And that kind of was right. I think that, that's a great point. Um, because, you know, we have patients that we've delivered to for years and years and you know them and you, you know, my staff knows their dog's name and all the stuff, but, but we've never actually seen the patient. Um, it, it's always been been kind of telephonically so to to actually to to see them and all would be a different way to communicate so you said delivery patients and, and you've said uh maybe hypertension or diabetes can you think of maybe a list of like your top five low-hanging fruit or i'm not doing any telehealth I, and i want to get into it a segue maybe i'm going to use facebook messenger or or facetime or whatever it is and and, and we're just we're going to start it out what would be uh what would be a group that you think might make us more efficient in the pharmacy and not add on one more thing that we have to do, but maybe could, could by doing that, would save us some time on the back end in the pharmacy? I'm thinking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, I, I like the de the delivery side because I think there are a lot of times in our pharmacy where we have a message that we want our delivery drivers to take to the patient, and they do that and do a good job of it. But then that creates a follow up group of of questions that you know they either try to send back via the delivery driver, or they call in and talk to a tech about that that maybe. Uh -huh. Uh, maybe that just reaching out to him to begin with, hey, your driver's coming, he's bringing your medicine, and it's changed a little bit. We, we've added, um, they, they've changed it where you were just taking it in the morning, now you're taking it in the morning and the evening because, you know, your blood pressure wasn't controlled. Okay, thank you. Where that might have taken 30 seconds and under the old way, it would take them calling back in and, and and trying to you know disrupt four people before they finally got back around you and got to what that message was. Yeah, that's good. And I was thinking too, your med adherence patients. So I know different pharmacies have different ways that they maybe counsel their patients on how to use the new packaging system or, or something like that. I know it's all different, but maybe that's one way to connect with your patient and say, hey, this is your pack, you know, or this is this is how you're going to be taking your medications um, and, and kind of allowing the pharmacist to to have that opportunity to counsel the patient and show them visually how to use them. Um, so that's one thing I can I can think of offhand that would be really beneficial. I guess if you're a, if you're a pharmacy looking into 
doing something like this and and transitioning at least into a telehealth component of, of practice. Um, coming from from like the medical clinic side, did they already have the infrastructure in place to implement this, or were there some decisions that needed to be made around well, which you know which platform are we going to use, and um, you know what was there a lot of dollars invested, or was there some financial hardship that that had to to be considered in order to implement this, or did you just pick one, go for it, that was accessible, and, and start it from scratch? So that is so, I'm so glad you asked that question because I think it was different for every practice. Um, but in particular for the one that I'm at, um, you know, I, I remember bringing it up to the providers, okay, are we going to be doing telehealth visits? And I think they were nervous, you know, because it was brand new and they hadn't, they had not yet gotten into that realm. Um, and, and so when we had the conversation, you know, we did look at, there's so many softwares that are out there. There's ones that you can pay for, there's free versions, but we finally just got simple and we said, you know what, maybe we can use, there, there's a free app that I, I use, um, that they said, you know what, let's use that, that, that might work. So we ended up not having to pay anything extra to do the telehealth visits, which is amazing. Um, but there are some places where maybe they did. They might have bought a service or, or a program that allowed them to, to use that feature plus additional features. Um, but it wasn't necessary because Medicare, they literally opened the window and said, it does not matter how this gets done, it just needs to get done. Um, so I think you had so many opportunity or so many options to choose from. Okay, that's good news. That's good news. Yeah, I've got a couple questions, Des, from the audience um, and some comments. And one comment that uh, you know comes from one of our CPSN luminaries is, you know, I think telehealth is a great option and it, it can add a lot uh, to enhancing the care, but it, it doesn't uh, replace a face-to-face -face interaction in and, uh, you know, we always want to leave that uh, that option of face-to-face -face when that's when it's safe and when it's practical open. Um, uh, and the other is uh, we've been told that the means of telehealth needs to be HIPAA-level security. Uh, has something changed about that? Oh. Yes, um, you know, it, it it did get to when COVID occurred. So before COVID, it was requiring, you know, certain HIPAA protections and, and making sure you had a certain uh, server. So you probably were going to have to put some money up um, for, for a software like that. But after COVID, they did change that. And, and it was, I think, April 30th is when those changes came into place where they open the window to even non-HIPAA required uh, services such as Facebook Messenger and Google Hangout. Um, but Zoom, you can, I, I think Zoom is now HIPAA regulated, but you know, before that, you know, you could pretty much use any of those services. So I will say these regulations are very likely to change. Um, and, and I know that they are re, evaluating by August with a lot of the payers. So be on the lookout for that because you don't want to continue to do something that may not um, 
you know, be allowable in the future. Yeah, good, great advice there. So we, we do need to stay on top of it. And that's one of the advantages I think of CPESN is that, that you know, we can help you with changes and, and things that are coming out. Um, and keep you up to date on on what is coming out. That's right. There and there are um, um, telehealth coverage policies um, with Medicaid and with um, the CHIPS program, um, and a lot of those regulations are written out. We can attach some of that to um, uh, those links to the show notes today. Um, so, um, if anybody is interested in kind of what what's permissible right now, we will um, include those regulations. Um, after the show. Well, Des, uh, <laughs> fantastic. I feel like I've learned a ton here um, and I've taken a, a, a ton of notes. Um, Ash, did you have something? Yeah, I, I just, uh, Des, I appreciate your time today and, and your experience that you've shared as you've as you've onboarded telehealth as a mainstream of 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 the way you practice right now. I, you've shared with us some really good um, ideas on establishing the service, um, figuring out you know a, a cohort of patients to to experiment this on to get going. Um, you've described ways that we can implement it in community pharmacy and be successful. Um, so your insight's been really helpful for us. And um, I, I know we have listeners here that are that are um, already kind of um, performing some of the activities through telehealth. And um, I think hopefully um, your experiences have added to um, hopefully expediting their services as well as they as they get more and more into offering telehealth options. So thanks so much for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and great questions. Thank you so much. Glad to do it, Des, and keep, keep pushing the envelope and providing better care and teaching us all how to how to provide very better care um like thank everyone for for joining today and uh we will see you next week yeah we'll go ahead and um in the recording um but um, for anybody who wants to stay on and ask a few more questions while we have des um that will be great we can address a few more details off the recording And Carrie, I am not seeing the questions for some reason. So if you're getting those questions, you need to, you can ask them for us. Uh, no, the last one was the comment that Deborah said, DoxyMe is free and HIPAA compliant. So I wanted to share that as well. Thanks, Perfect. Deborah. Yeah, that's the one, that's the one that I've been using and it's been, it's been wonderful. Okay, great. Thanks, everyone. Well, I appreciate you guys. Appreciate you getting on and giving us these good questions during it. Keep keep that up. That's that's very beneficial during these to get the to get your questions in. So, thanks. Have a good and safe week, and we will talk with you next time. The Thrive Subscribe Podcast is brought to you by Thrive Pharmacy Transformations. Visit us online at tptransformations.com, where you can join our free community. 
to inspire you, challenge you, and transform your pharmacy practice.